y'all. This is Jennifer Schatzer, Life Badassery. I am the fastest speaking Southern accented woman that you have ever heard. The faster I talk, the more Southern I sound, the more Southern I sound, the faster I talk. So I just wanted to give you guys a second to come on, listen to my voice, get a little acclimated, and then we're going to let the shit hit the fan. Jennifer Schatzer with Life Badassery. It is, we're running a couple days late and a couple days short, but that's just how life rolls sometimes. I have brought on Don Turner, one of my absolute dearest and truest tribe members. Um, yeah. Don, you want to introduce yourself and tell them how you know me. Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, about 15 years ago, I was partnering with another mom to start a Girl Scout troop. And as we homeschool moms do, if we don't have it, we build it, right? So we have the meeting at my house. I open my front door, and here comes this little five-foot-two. Four. Dynamite. Whatever. Um, up my steps to my front door, looks me right in the eye and says, Hey, I'm Jennifer. And I said, Hey, you're wearing my shirt. <laughs> Um, I think we were best friends. Well, you were. I think we were immediate friends from that moment. That's been, like I said, about 15 years ago. Um, we have been there and done that. We have walked out a lot of life together. Um, good, bad, and ugly. Sometimes very ugly, but there is no one I would rather do life with than you. You are the bomb. Oh, I'm a bomb, all right. Well, I didn't say what kind. <laughs> I like that delicate meme that says some women are delicate like flowers and she's delicate like a bomb. That's me. I think that might describe both of us, yeah, to be honest, think. which yeah. is why we can't get in fights. <laughs> no, <laughs> we cannot. No, we cannot. All right, guys. So I brought Dawn on today to continue this conversation about shame. Um, she, I always tell you guys that I have people in certain buckets of my life and part of my tribes and how they help me with certain areas. And in the last couple of weeks, I have been dealing with shame incessantly. And there was a morning in the last week or so, two weeks maybe, that I literally was like, Bleh! and she like regurgitated all this shit at me. And I was like, mm. so we decided that we just needed to continue that conversation <laughs> here on the podcast, because I figure there's a couple of others out there who are also dealing with it. So Dawn has done her research. She's done her homework. So she is here to kind of talk us through that. We're going to share a little bit of both of our stories so that, you know, everybody can kind of realize that we're not just talking out of our asses, that there is some experience and some real healing that's gone on in these places. So Dawn, I'm going to let you start since you got that whole page of notes over there. Well, it's a small notebook, but, um, <laughs> well, to give a little backstory and, and anybody that knows me intimately knows that I have no problem talking my past. I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Um, from the time I was three until I was 12, 
had some pretty horrific things happen to me. And when you start life that way, you are wired in shame. There is something that happens to your brain chemistry that, that changes who you intrinsically are. And a lot of times in working out that healing, one of the hardest things to lay down is that shame. And in working through my my stuff. You can say um, shit. It's okay. Well, yeah, I just couldn't decide what I actually wanted to call it. Um, my healing and, and my trauma and all of these things has been a really ugly walk at times. Um, as you well know, Jen, because you walked a lot of it out with me, um, I have come to realize that one of the most crippling things is shame. And I think it's one of the hardest things to um, to work through. I think it's one of the hardest things to be able to see very clearly. Um, and I think it's one of the hardest things to lay down ultimately as, as you as you walk out your healing. And I think that, um, like you were saying in the past couple of weeks, as we were kind of, you know, uh, digging through this together, that I think it is something that will continue to crop up. Like um, like Shrek says, you know, an ogre has layers. Well, <laughs> I, think that, I think that our healing does too. I think you'd agree with me on that, that the more we walk out our healing, the more we peel back and the more we find these things. And unfortunately, sometimes we find shame in a lot of the layers that we're working through. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And, you know, my story is not, I come from an abuse background. I was not sexually abused, but my mother chose to use me as her beating stick. So, you know, my, I come from abuse as well. Not the same, but, you know, still abuse. And I agree that it does, um, you know, I'm 46 years old and I'm still dealing with the same shit I was dealing with at three. Right. Absolutely. You know? <clears throat> So, yes, absolutely. And I also want to point out, though, to people, like, shame is not somewhere you want to live. Um, one of the things that I like to tell people is it's a place that you can visit, but you don't want to lay down stakes. You don't want to, like, build um, a platform there. Like, you don't want to make it intimate. It's, it's a place to visit and deal with it, and then you have to walk away, right? Well, and that me into I agree with you and that leads me into these some of these notes that I took because there is a I think that there is a healthy shame and there is an unhealthy shame and the dictionary defines shame as a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior that's it's a pretty specific definition, but I disagree with it to an extent because it doesn't go far enough. To me, a healthy shame would be, well, let me use an example from my own life. I had too much to drink last night and yelled at my kid, um, which didn't actually happen last night, but has happened in the past. And you wake up the next morning and you feel shame, right? That's a shame about something that you have done that you don't want to do again. It convicts you to change. 
Oh, mm, hold on. Okay. <laughs> Let me help with the definition here. I would call that guilt. But but I yeah. see I see guilt as behavior. I see shame as I am statements that we've taken to our core that we use to redefine ourselves. Okay. Well, the note that I took, and I don't disagree with you. The note that I took it says it says healthy shame is feeling the damage you have done to others that requires you to make the make something right. Okay. And it has a, a begin that that cycle right there has a beginning point and an end point. When you make it right, if it's a healthy measure of quote unquote shame, when you make it right, you've done all that you can do, you can close that out and it's done and you don't have to carry that shame anymore. Okay. It's kind of the point that I was getting to. But I think that unhealthy shame is something that you feel guilty about that was done to you that you had no control over. So that's the shame that I'm talking to when it comes to trying to recover from abuse. Okay. Because you're buried under these layers of shame for something that you didn't do. Okay. And that's... That's the shame to me that's crippling. That's what that's what we keep trying to dig up because like from from my experience as a kid, a lot of things were done to me that obviously I had no control over. I was a child. And I instinctively knew that they were wrong. I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to change it. I didn't know how to protect myself. I knew that it was wrong. But that shame was being drilled into my skin, into my psyche, and it wasn't mine to carry. Right. It, it buried me. It changed my relationships. It changed the way that I treated myself. It changed what I would tolerate in my life. I had no boundaries. I didn't mm -hmm. know what healthy were. We're going to cover those in the next couple of weeks. I know, I'm already doing my homework. Um, but that wasn't my theory. So as you start to work through, as I have done and as you have done, you start to work through these years of abuse. And, and you know, the first step, I think, is being able to identify that it was abuse, that it was wrong. And you start claiming your power over that situation. But when you get to the shame, it's like, okay, but this is how I've always felt. I've always felt this shame. I've always felt this um, sense that I did something wrong. So how do you lay that down? How do you how do you retrain your brain to not allow that to be a part of your makeup anymore? Okay. And I think that. I think that it's one of the hardest parts of healing that you walk through. I took that shame in my teenage years and I tried to anesthetize it with sex, with alcohol, with self-destructive behaviors, um, with playing with dangerous situations like physically dangerous, like you know, driving a car 120 miles an hour on an on-ramp, um, heading into traffic, um, 
anything that I could do to try to escape it and not deal with it. In my 20s, um, once I was I was in a very committed relationship, married um, to my wonderful husband, I used that shame as a sword against him um, because I couldn't face it. I didn't know what to do with it, and it was eating me up. So I used it as a battering ram on the only safe place that I had, and that was him. Um, fortunately, I have a very strong man that loves me very much, and he withstood all of it. Um, and he started to help me see well, what what the problem was. I didn't understand that the core of that anger, that rage that I felt, I didn't know it was the pain and the shame that I was feeling that was that was doing all that. I still didn't know. Then, in my thirties, this little five foot two thing four. in my front, whatever. I am five four. <laughs> okay, five four. As much as I've been shrinking, you're not that much shorter than I am now. But you walked in the door, and you walked in as this absolute um, a tornado, really hyper One squirrel. <laughs> well. <laughs> now, you were a little more tornado-y then than, than Hyper Squirrel. Um, but I know that you looked at me and like recognizes like. I, I, I always say that and I always believe that. But like recognizes like you could see the, you could see the pain. I, I know that you probably saw it immediately. And yeah. you started dragging me, kicking and screaming. Um, through this journey of, of starting to heal. And you ended up being the brunt of some of that anger. And you ended up being the person sitting on the bathroom floor with me while I was trying to dig through it. And you actually showed me in a lot of ways um, where I needed to start to go work. And help me find the tools to do it. Which is the, you know, one of the main reasons I can sit here and have this conversation with you now because you know um, probably better than anyone besides my husband, you know what this journey has looked like. Well, let me and take a minute to say how extremely proud I am of you because <clears throat> we have had, we have had, we have been sisters in that um I always tell people I will fight for them and with them to get them where they need to be. And we have had seasons where we have had those big fights, right? Yep. Um, yep. But we have also had the seasons. I was telling everybody a couple of days ago about somebody who showed up at my front door with a empty coffee cup and that was you, <laughs> right? So you were the oh, one that knew at that moment that I was buried in shame because my life was out of control and not because of something that I had done. Absolutely nothing you had done. You know? And so all of that to say, yes, we have been walking this out for a long time. So I'm going to take this back to the, our conversation we had in the last two weeks about I am learning again, like you were talking about layers. 
I look at, yeah. I like sparkle and I like bling. So I look at it as facets of a diamond, right? So right. you take this diamond and you turn it just a little bit, like your, your circumstances in your life change just enough that the light hits a different place, right? Mm -hmm. And this new sparkle yeah. comes off. And so yeah. since I am, you know, I, my shame kept me from being in a relationship. You know, I, I just kind of shut down on the relationship front and just went, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, not, statements. I'm not. And so I am, as I'm beginning to put my, my toe, because we all know mm -hmm. that I'm, back into this relationship stuff, um, I was bum rushed by a shame yeah. revelation, right? Yeah, you were. And it's not that this person has done anything wrong because no, that's, that's not the issue, but it has regurgitated or bumped on, um, and shown me more truth, right? Turned your diamond. It turned my diamond. And so the shame that I'm dealing with now is that I have allowed people to change me, to attempt mm -hmm. to change me. Like I didn't change. It's, I, I lost myself for a period of time, but I'm fighting to find myself back, right? Yeah. Is that the best way to put that? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it with that one. And so, you know, I still healing is a process and it's a day in day out decision every day and there's i mean uh, you would agree with me that there's days that fuck it and chuck it i ain't dealing with healing today and then there's <laughs> there's days where it's sitting on your chest and you can't do anything else and you say certain words to your best friend and they jump in your shit and yeah use the word quit one more time i am not going to use the word quit one more time <laughs> <laughs> I will share that with your audience. I am dealing with a long-term illness, and um, some days are great. Today's a good day. Other days, um, you know, it gets a little heavy. I made the mistake of saying the word quit to this woman, as in, please remind me that I'm not allowed to quit. Y'all, I heard 45 minutes of if you say that word one more time, I am going to beat your ass. Yeah. Because I believe her, I got my ass straight. But that's that whole, that goes back to the uh, conversation you were having with Velvet about tribe and uh, trust. Needing those trust, intimacy and trust. Um, but yeah, I just sidetracked us. I knew I was going to side. It's okay. I knew I was going to sidetrack us. There is no track. Um, Little Miss organized in straight lines. That Life badassery uh, is not linear. Well, so you don't owe us an I, apology for having a conversation. Well, my brain is not linear. My brain runs around like, what did you call it? A rabbit squirrel? Um, yeah. So yeah. I, did, I have to try to keep things in my physical world linear. Otherwise, my brain will run away with me. But... um. I wanted to talk about that, what what you went through a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And I think, um, I think the thing that that I took away from that conversation was the need 
to be intentional and and I say this to myself, I think a little bit more than I'm saying it to you or was thinking about you in that regard at the time that it, we have to be as we as we dig into our healing, we have to be intentional about breaking those ties with the people that have hurt us, and I don't mean not calling and not messaging and not seeing them in public. I mean, saying to ourselves, I release you. Mm-hmm. Saying that within ourselves, I release you. I release you from my life. I release you from my mind. I release you from all of it. And that, I think, is probably one of the hardest things to do. And I think that the reason that it is so hard is when we release people, when we try to break those heart ties and those soul ties and those mental ties, we have to admit to ourselves that we have to let go of our needs to get even with them, too. That we're not going to ever be able to have that conversation, that we're not going to be able to say all the things that we've been running in our inner dialogue, all of these things that we want to say, well, you did this to me and you were horrible and look what I had to go through and and, 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 and all of those things that that our hearts really need to say, we're not going to be able to do it. And I think that that's what makes that section of healing the most difficult is because you have to be able to release the whole situation without the closure that you think you need. I don't find that in my own world. Okay, so my release typically is pretty easy. I can do that pretty much routine, right? So mine looks like... um, I release you and I release the pieces of you that I have kept and I call back the pieces of myself that belong to me. Right. You do that a whole lot easier than that. Right. I do that pretty easy. Um, The part that I stumble is when I have to forgive myself. Right. Because there was a need in me. There was a need in me that allowed me to tolerate whatever abuse it was, right? So whether we're talking about Voldemort or whether we're talking about Janice or whether, you know what I mean? Like there was a need in me, an inherent need in me that needed to be filled. And so I was willing to lay down my red flags to meet that need, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... It's, it's the forgiving myself part that of the heal, the shame healing part that I struggle. Like I have no part, no problem releasing the other person. I am all about get the hell out of my boat. Give me back my fucking life jacket. Go on with yourself. And I'm probably, I'm probably too good at that. Right. Um, But it's the part me part. It's those statements, those I am statements that I get stuck on. I think that um, I think that I did that, and I agree with you. Um, I think that we all walk this stuff out in very uh, personal ways, and I think that um, I I have walked that part. 
I have walked the the area of um, I did that. Let's say I did that work first in the healing, um, and I think that you and and my husband were um, very intrinsically involved in the part in reminding me that I didn't need to feel shame. I needed to let myself off the hook, and I needed to forgive myself. And I think that part I, I, I dealt with first. <clears throat> I think that when I'm talking about, you know, releasing your need to get even, I'm pointing, you know, all the fingers on both hands at myself because I tend to run this inner dialogue ad nauseum um, of the, all of the things that I want to say. My my way of healing is always talking, talking it out and talking about my feelings and bam, 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 and talking. I know. Off of me. <clears throat> <laughs> I cracked myself up. Okay, sorry. Um, I was getting ready to say something really ugly, but I won't. Um, um I'm behaving myself so well today. No, you're not. Oh, you should. Be. I, I kind of am for a Monday morning. I kind of am. Um. Now you derailed my thought. Oh, so letting go of that internal monologue that I have um, with with these people that were involved, um, I think that was just one of the hardest things to You know what? I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. I am tired of hearing this in my head. I'm tired of it. I have to just let all of that go. I have to let it go. I'm not going to be able to say these things. I'm not going to be able to hear, and I'm sorry. Um, it just is what it is, and I can either stay, like you were saying earlier, I can stay in that place that I've built for myself, or I can pack up and move on. And the only person that that choice affects is me. Right. If I stay living in this little, you know, place that I have camped out, um, world goes on around me. Life goes on. The only person that stays camped out there without a shower and no running water is me, right? Right. If I choose me, if I choose my healing, pack that shit up and move on. You know? Well, I don't think, okay, so, you know, it, oh. <laughs> I made her stop. You did. Damn it. Um, when all of my trauma was going on and starting in the last couple years, right, <clears throat> um, I am apt to box it up and put it under the bed and not deal with it, right? Um, so I've had to learn to take time to pull that out from underneath the bed, look at it, separate the pens from the pencils, right? What is permanent, which is pens, and what is temporary, which is pencils. Um, right. And kind of dissect that for myself. And so, you know, I don't carry that box with me everywhere I go. Um, but there are times that I have to visit it. And, and I think that's the same thing with pain. Like sometimes we can sit with it on a park bench and, you know, I, I kind of look at it like I sit down with my pain on a park bench and I'm like, Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So you're still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Is there anything I can do to help you today? 
well, you know, it might burden, help my burden a little bit if you would just kind of deal with this one thing. Oh, really? Just yep. that one thing? Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about it, right? Okay. Well, today we're going to talk with this part of pain. Okay. So we have a conversation with it, you know, me and my pain. And then, you know, it kind of pain kind of lays this, you know, this little flake kind of falls off of pain. And I look at it and I go, are you good now? Yeah, we're good now. Can I come back and visit you again later? Yep, today's work is done. And then I get up and I walk away. Like, I know yep. that sounds so naive, but that's really how no. I deal that's with how, it. Yeah, that's how you work through your stuff. And I think it's kind of cool that the two of us can have this conversation because I think that, that anyone listening is probably going to relate to one or the other of us. You deal with your pain in the way that you just described, and that's <laughs> I love how you talk in visuals because that's how I think. <laughs> you, you leave your box sitting on the park bench and you come and visit it. I lug mine around behind me at the end of a chain. And the only way that that box ever gets lighter and I don't have so much to lug is if I unpack and get rid of some stuff. Um, and I think it's just, you know, the way our minds are different, the way we work through stuff. I wish I could just leave it all alone and come back and visit and deal with, you know, a piece at a time. But that's just not the way I'm wired. That's not the way I work. It's the stuff that I have to deal with, the stuff that I need to work through is with me all the time. I don't ever let it down. I don't ever lay it down, you know. Well, I live in my own little world and everybody here likes me. Well, that's the truth. You little glittery <laughs> But I think my life is very different than yours because I don't live with mine every day, right? I don't have to. Um, and reality is my life, um, and I don't say this that I'm different or I'm separate or I'm better or, or any of that, but I find it I can't carry my pain around because there's oftentimes people come to me with their pain and I can't help them with theirs if I'm busy with mine. Right. It's both full, right. Right. And so a lot of times I set mine down because I have found that by walking you through yours or by walking other people through theirs, mine kind of takes care of itself. Sure. Right. Because I learn yeah. a lot more by, helping other people through their pain than me necessarily dealing with my shit day in, day out. Right. Yeah. So what yeah. happens is time goes by and I've, I've been helping others, helping others, helping others. And then I look down at my box and I'm like, damn, half that shit's gone. I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. some of that stuff has fallen off during the journey of helping others. And I think that's why I do life badassery. And that's why, you know, I get these 4 a.m. texts when people are struggling because it's it's how I feed. Yes. Right. Yes. You and I do that very differently um, in a way, I think, because I, you get the phone calls. I get the come through the back door. Um, I get the mama, I need to talk to you, you know, um, just for everybody listening, I have two amazing children that I, um, was able to raise my, my beautiful babies that, that I gave birth to through them. 
I have numerous bonus kids, and they come through my back door. Mama, I, I need to talk. Um, and I think that having my experience close by while I'm ministering to these, these kids, young adults now, I look at it as I can see the the hurt teenager that I was. What would I have wanted someone to say to me? What would I what what did I need when I was hurting? And I can take from that experience and pour out to them from that experience and from that that need that I had. Um, and like you were saying, you know, you find a part of yourself gets healed in doing that. And I have, um, uh, I'm trying to articulate something that's kind of, like I said, my brain uh, just goes in a million different directions. I have adult friends that come to me that are going, right now currently going really, really hard stuff. And I think that having worked through my stuff and having worked through my pain and my trauma and and my shame um it makes me kind of softer and have i have a lot more mm, i don't want to say grace because grace isn't mine to give to someone else when they're digging through their stuff it's not the right word but i think um the empathy i think the empathy is is what i can really offer when someone is feeling that shame, I have a, a dear friend that's walking through a very painful um, divorce. And speaking of shame and shame that's not yours to carry, she's, she's digging through a lot of that. I think just having been there and still going through that, but to be able to say, this is not yours. You know, this is not yours to carry. This is not something that you did. You need to lay this down. Let me help you lay this down. Let's identify this. Let's 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 separate, like you said, the pens from the pencils. Um, in this case, what's yours and what's not, you know. I think that you and I are two sides to the same coin in a lot of ways and the way that we deal with things and then the way that we turn around and minister out of that and help out of that. It's just fascinating. Well, I think I've always said, you know, and I I try to keep the Christianese out of this. I mean, I love Jesus, white claw, and cussing, just so we're all clear. Um, well, I told somebody last night, I love Jesus, whiskey, and a well-placed F-bomb. Nice. I like it. Um, I use F-bombs all the time, though. I don't know how well-placed they are. Um, but it comes down to, like, you can't take people somewhere you've never been like like kind of like Abraham had to live in the desert before 40 years before he could like deliver other people through it right and so you know I talked to another woman this weekend and and she's just starting just starting um the 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 bomb has dropped in her marriage and she's just starting the journey like she hasn't even taken a foot yet. She hasn't even lifted her foot yet. Like the, the, the chaos is all around her. Right. And she says, 
this early on, which lets me know she's going to be okay, is that she has hope in her story that she's going to be able to help somebody else. Right? That's amazing that she can see that right and, now. And she's literally, that's like the bombs are still going off. Like, I don't even know that all the bombs have hit yet. Right. Um, I don't know that she has the full truth yet of really where she's at, but it's, um, she's already saying that. Right. And so there is this um, mentor part of some women. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know not all women have it. Um, some women, um, I just remember Pastor Karen telling me, like, I have a hard time. She was talking to me and she said, Jennifer, you have a hard time being led. Like you're an amazing leader, but you have a hard time being led. And I, that has to do with my trust issues and my shame issues. And, and I really have a hard time being led by women because my mom was so horrible, you know? Absolutely. That's very understandable. Right. And so <clears throat> I don't submit to women very well. I don't, I mean, you want to be my friend, you want to be my sister, I'm in. Um, but even then, like you've had to learn, like I'm, don't back me into a corner because I'm not nice, no. you know. Um, but I but think the fact that I say things to you now oh, yeah. that I couldn't before, yeah, I yeah. think speaks volumes to your healing. Well, I think it's all a decision. Um, but I've had to get kinder and I've had to get gentler and I don't know that I'm still, you know, I'm still quick to throw people under the bus. I'm kidding. I'm still, I think my innate um, skill set is, is that same sentence is I will fight for you and with you to get you where you need to be. Like, I'm not going to leave you sitting on the side of the road bloody. Like you might kick my ass, but I'm still dragging you along. Right. Right. Um, well, that's what you, that's what you did with me. You know, you barked and carried on and bit and chewed and all kinds <laughs> of shit. And I just was like, all right, you're just making this harder, but I got you by the ankle, you know? Uh, Don and I always good. joke about I say something and she's like I'm going to kick your ass and I'm like I'm just going to steal your bras and run because you know she won't chase after me if she doesn't have a bra on so we're good I have my defense mechanism already built in I don't have to hit you I just got to take your bras and run um. <laughs> I think one of my favorite quotes Speaking of quotes, one of my favorite quotes that I think um, kind of defines the way I go about my life is I, the quote says, my favorite people are the ones that walk out of hell, turn around and walk back in carrying buckets of water for those that are still consumed by the flames. Right. And I think that's kind of where I live because I had people walk into the flames and throw buckets of water on me. Um, well, that's why I sit with people on the bathroom floor because I've been on the bathroom floor with nobody. And right. the pain of that um, changed me. Right. So I had to learn to stand up off the bathroom floor by myself because at the point that I was on the bathroom floor, there was nobody. Right. Right. You know, and you don't and, ever want anybody else to feel that. Right. And I think that some just wired that way. We don't want anyone else to be in that pit alone. Right. 
Right. And so we we work through our hard stuff and we share our hard things and we become vulnerable and I hate that so, word. Quit using that. Well, it's the truth. Stop it. We have to be vulnerable. Stop That's it. Why you're what you're shut up. That's why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> because it's out of that vulnerability. Quit laughing at me. <laughs> it's out of that vulnerability and that that willingness to share your bad and ugly that that that's where people gravitate and that's where they go oh i'm not alone i'm not alone i'm not crazy other people are going through this other people are struggling i think one of the hardest things to do in this life is to feel like you're alone and nobody gets it well and, and that was the birth of life badassery right years and years and years ago um when my daughter hit trauma, which she still hasn't gotten it together to come on here and talk about, we'll get there. Um, I needed my inners, right? I needed a tribe because it was, oh my God, you know? It's just too much. Yeah. You can, you can get yourself all the lifelines that you want, but when that pit gets too deep, you've got to have somebody on the other end of that lifeline ready to pull you out. Right. You know? And that's why tribe is so important. And that's why building those relationships is so important and being vulnerable and doing the messy work. And right. We have to. We have to have each other. Right. Um, and I can tell you um, that God taught me through my romantic relationships, right? Um, I have watched myself, I've watched other women, um, solely depend on their romantic relationship to carry them through. Right. That's dangerous. Um, and it's not necessarily dangerous, but it's so flat, right? Because uh, I don't want to be like stereotypical, but like, The emotional connection to the issue is different with men and women, right? Yeah. So yes. men are more apt, um, you know, my ex-husband was a contractor. Men are more apt to put on their tool belt, which is the best way I know how to describe it. And they just want to fix it, right? Yeah. They don't really want to look at it. They don't want to analyze it. They just want to throw some Gorilla Glue on it and make it all better so that you'll get back in the kitchen and make dinner. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's a, not necessarily a bad It's thing. not. And there's a time and a place for that, right? So there is there is a place where I can go, um, the check engine light is on in my car, and I want him to put his tool belt on, and I want him to fix it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But there are some parts of my world that, like my mama's heart, um, I don't know that anybody could help me through that except another mama. Right. Right. Um, the shame part and men deal with shame, too. I'm learning that. Um, but the the shame part and the things I feel shame for emotionally, metaphysically, I mean, everything is different than a man would. And I'm not saying that men can't come from a background of abuse and and all that kind of stuff and have, you know, the same big stuff. But I think emotionally, maybe we process it differently. Well, we do. I mean, men and women are wired differently. We're intended to be wired differently. Right. There's reason that. And you know, if you're lucky enough to have a partner that 
wants to try to understand you where you are and wants to try to help, that's amazing. But intrinsically, women are going to understand women more. But the other thing is, I think there's healthier boundaries. So I don't come to you and expect you to heal me. No. But I think women typically go to their romantic relationship and put the burden on that man to heal them. I agree. They're somehow held accountable, right? Because I think you and your husband went through that in the beginning and he finally had to go, look, I can't be your sole provider of this, right? Right. And I think you learned that through having me in your world, right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And it put too much of a burden on him. And he was more than willing to to take everything he could take and do everything he could do. But he was smart enough to realize that he could not do it all. And he wanted me to have the best outcome that I could possibly have. And he's a protector and he's a fixer and he's a provider, right? Yeah. Those are his buckets. So there's other buckets of need that we have as women, right? And sometimes it's just to be heard. And, you know, sometimes I'll call you and just vent about stuff because I just need to be heard by somebody that's going to get it, that's going to go, yeah, that sucks. What are you going to do today to make that better? Or what are you going to do to take care of yourself? Or, you know. I'm laughing because I call Dawn all the time. I'm like, I don't need you to respond. I just need to talk this out so that I can get to the end of this. Yes. And, and you, I get it by talking. I don't need your interpretation. I don't need your input. I just need you to shut up and listen. (laughs) I need somewhere to put this. Right. And and that's one of the most valuable things I think that you and I have with each other is we can just say, okay, shut up and listen. Yeah. You don't even have to listen. Just, just be on the other end. So if I get stuck, you can redirect me. Yeah. 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 And I think that we um, we come a very long way <laughs> just by doing that. Okay. Just by doing, you know, keep it keep it in your lane. Um, let's talk it out, and you know, just just stay in your lane. Stay well, in I, your lane. I was talking to my spiritual mama after I talked to you Friday. And we have decided that what I do now is I call her after I've driven past it just to make sure that I got my whole ass back in the lane. You know, it's kind (laughs) of like a rear view check. Like, can you just check out my ass and make sure I'm all in? Because I I think I'm not sure that I've got it all back in my lane. Um, Mm -hmm. I just need like, can you pull up behind me and make sure my lights are all working? You know, like. (laughs) And I. Are my flashers still on? You know, like. <laughs> well, and that all, it all kind of circles back. Um, staying in your lane. It circles back to the whole shame thing. That shame is not in my lane. Right. I don't need my ass hanging over in that other lane where all that shame is riding, that mud and that guts and that gross right. shit. Right. Right. That let me stay. I lane. I let that stuff go. It's not mine. It doesn't need to get stuck on my tires. Right. 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 Others times you got to get mud on the tires, but there's, you know, you don't have to all the time. Sorry. You're bringing up my four wheeler girl in me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I drove a Jeep for 11 years. Honey, this is the first time in my life right here, right now. 
that I have not had access, you know, I haven't owned one. Like I've, I've had one for so long. I, my, mm, I, uh, of course, you know, Brad's all wheel drive and he takes me wherever I need to go, but there you go. And he's got that big sunroof on top. So he's kind of a, he does in a pinch. I love Brad. There if y'all don't know, Brad is my car. Just so you guys don't think I'm whatever. Missy, we are at 50 minutes in this conversation. Is there anything else you wanted to add from your notes? No, I think we covered this one. I think that um, I think we're going to have some other conversations that are going to come out of this. But um, for today, I don't want to I don't want to beat anybody about the head and shoulders with it. Just um, just try to recognize what's yours to carry and what's not. And and ninety nine point nine percent of the time, shame is not yours. And it needs to. You just need to lay it down, unpack it out of your backpack. And, Lighten your load a little bit. Right. Right. Look at it, face it, you know, pull it out, examine it, and then toss it over your shoulder and be done with it. Exactly. See what role you played in it. All right, my sister, my friend, my goofball. Thank you so <laughs> much for showing up with that coffee cup that day. And uh, guys, I will be back with you later this week, but I'm going to let Dawn go handle her stuff. So, I hope to hear from you guys soon. Um, I'm gonna, my new little catchphrase is do everything with your whole heart. Do everything with your whole ass because nobody likes anything done half-assed. And until we talk again, I love you all.